Y'all, today's episode is all about conscious parenting, and I have the privilege to sit down and talk with Michelle Manning Osborne, who is Conscious Hippie Mama on Instagram. She's been up there since about 2018, and she started her platform because she didn't have friends with kids, and she wanted a place to share her struggles and her successes, and we are absolutely blessed to have her on that platform. She is genuinely one of the most authentic and transparent voices in this space. And so it was amazing to get to talk to her. And I'm excited to share this episode with you. Conscious Hippie Mama is such a dope name. I think it's brilliant. And I think that I resonate most with the idea of conscious parenting. I love gentle parenting. And at the same time, I'm not necessarily the most gentle person, but I think that I'm very self-aware, very emotionally intelligent. So I want to know, what does conscious parenting mean to you? So I like to think of gentle parenting as like using the scripts to get your child to cooperate with you and just like very like instructional, like this is what you say and this is what you do to handle all of these situations. and. Conscious parenting to me is when you take it a step further and start looking at yourself and how you react to things and how you show up in parenting, your mindset about your children and your parenting. And like you said, I'm not a gentle person and gentle parenting just didn't really feel authentic to me. It felt like I had to really, really try hard to do it. And I messed up a ton. But then when I started conscious parenting, it got easier because I didn't have to have scripts. It was just connection based. (laughs) Yeah, that makes so much sense. It is about connection. And it is about, like you said, most importantly, your connection with yourself. And I think that gentle parenting, the focus, at least from what I see, a lot of times it is about the doing piece. Um, and the conscious piece of it really is about figuring out yourself. So I want to ask you, what sort of things do you think that it's important to learn about yourself as you're going through this conscious parenting journey? There's so much. <laughs> I like to view it. I, I, it's funny. I view myself kind of like an onion. There's so many different layers to everything. Um, a huge part of your parenting, and you don't notice how much your childhood has affected you until you become a parent. I think that even if like you didn't have any like capital T trauma, you just kind of stumble through life without really thinking about your childhood. And then you become a parent and then you're like, oh, man, I need to work on things. (laughs) So I think that a huge part of conscious parenting in my journey, working on myself, figuring out some of my character flaws that I have going on and how to work through them in more of a healthy way. and mainly just like emotional regulation because, man, my parents did not teach me how to properly and healthily regulate my emotions. Um, And, you know, when you're a parent, you see that your kids copy you. And when you think about like your kid having like a tantrum and then you think about what caused it or like what happens when you get upset, you're like, man, I definitely have tantrums too. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Adult tantrums are a real thing for sure. And also I know that you talk about like triggers and how those are important to be aware of and conscious of what are your triggers currently? So a couple of my triggers. um, So I'm an only child. Um, 
And I, yes, I have two little boys who are two years apart and they fight all the time. And I, I wasn't used to that. Um, you know, all my cousins are girls. The ones that I grew up with were girls. And so it's just very different than growing up as an only child and sometimes playing with other little girls and then having two little boys who are super close in age. Um, so that can be triggering to me because there's just fighting all the time and I'm not used to that. And I'm getting better about it, but like a lot of my triggers are like an out of control thing. So if I feel like I have no control, I can kind of feel myself wanting to yell or, you know, snap at them. Um, so I think that a lot of my stuff is rooted in overwhelm, overstimulation and control. Yeah, 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 for sure. And honestly, those are just coming down to basic human needs. The first one is is safety and in your environment and to see them fighting, whether it's physically or verbally, that's going to trigger something for you, especially if you're not used to that. And then the other piece of it is that autonomy, which it's like we have no control over so much when we have kids. And I totally resonate that with that because one of my most important values, my number one value actually is freedom. Boy, can they impose on that. <laughs> so I totally get that. Just it's like I want the noise to be a certain way or I want to be able to get out of the house um, on time or I just want peace. So I totally get how that can be triggering. What do you do in those instances when let's go to the fighting? And is it like physical sometimes or is it just verbal? Um. Well, my it's really funny. So my four year old, when he. um goes into fight or flight he goes into fight like he is ready to throw hands he's four and he feels things very deeply and he has a temper and so he will hit and he'll hit me and he'll hit his little brother and those are the only people he hits he doesn't hit anybody else so that in itself can be super triggering um and then my two-year-old actually doesn't hit he is a screamer he gets in big brother's face and just screams at the top of his lungs. You got the whole gambit. I I really want a practical picture of that um, because I know how I handle hitting, right? And a lot of times people are like, yeah, but what does that really look like? So take me into a moment where, what's your four-year-old's name? Finn. Okay, Finn is so angry. He's frustrated. He's He just walks up and he hits his little brother. What is your first... Conscious tool. You talk about the pause, so I'm assuming that might be where it is, but I want to know. Yeah, so it's usually a pause, but that pause has to be kind of short because then there's, you know, safety involved. So I usually go over immediately um, and separate. So I've figured out what Finn's um, emotional regulation tool is over the past couple of months. And he wouldn't since he is in fight mode and he's ready to get physical his main thing is that he needs touch so i go to him and pick him up first i make sure noah he's the two-year-old i make sure noah's okay usually he's fine and i pick up finn immediately i um and i hold him and start scratching his back and when i start scratching his back it's so funny he just kind of like melts into my arms and so that kind of disarms him for a little bit um, so that he can kind of get back online. Cause like with me when, and conscious parenting, 
he he knows he's not supposed to hit. We have this conversation all the time. So it's like I don't even really have to like go through that again because like he knows. It's just um it, it's more of a get him to calm down and get him to regulate first and then just kind of gently remind like afterwards like hey what you know we we don't use our hands. What can we do next time when this situation happens again? It's not easy, but it's simple. And I heard so much consciousness in there. So the first thing is, obviously, it's it's a short pause, but you have to be conscious of your reaction. Because like you said, that's triggering for you. So even if it's a quick breath and walking towards him and picking him up, but you are also conscious of your first child. And I hear that all the time, but what about the other kid? And I'm like, obviously, I checked on my child and made sure that she was okay. And so you checked on your two-year-old and then you were conscious of Finn's calming tool. And you recognized in the moment that that was more important than trying to force the lesson or teach the lesson. And I imagine that a piece of that is also recognizing, yes, he knows the lesson, but developmentally, he's not going to be able to, to do, quote unquote, the appropriate behavior when he's dysregulated. So there's so much consciousness in there and it's not about scripts. It's not about saying the right thing. I think that conscious parenting is just emotional intelligence and and presence. And it sounds like you were really present in that moment. I do want to know, because I'm sure we're not conscious every single time. (laughs) We have some unconscious parenting. At least I know I do have unconscious parenting. What do you do when that happens, when maybe you don't handle it the best way? Yeah. So I've gotten better. I I find that um, conscious parenting gets easier the longer that you do it. Like before, when I first started, I I knew I never wanted to spank my children, but I didn't have the tools available to not spank them. So I I think I spanked Finn maybe once or twice when he was like two. Um, And that was kind of my trigger, like my go-to when I, it's almost like a relapse. I like to call it relapse. When I relapse back into traditional parenting, you know, when I first started, it was very much like, oh, I really want to spank him. And now that we're further on down the line, I don't get that impulse anymore. My impulse is yelling. Um, so yelling and uh, judgment and shame are my old tools that sometimes come out. Um, and when that happens, you know, I try to stop myself and my husband's really good about like, if he sees it happening, he'll kind of go like, yeah, you need to like walk away for a minute. Um, but if I'm by myself, you know, it'll happen and I'll, you know, maybe a couple minutes will pass and I realize like, oh, I have messed up and I need to, I need to take a minute. Um, you know, I'll, I'll step away and after, you know, everybody's kind of calm and, and think about what happened and what triggered me and how I can fix it. And then I always go back and repair. I get down on eye level and I say, you know, hey, I shouldn't have acted that way. Um, you know, I was really frustrated, but that was not okay to talk to you that way. Um, I took a minute and I'm calm now. Um, so I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I said that to you. Or I'm sorry did I, that I did that. I'm sorry that I yelled. And it's so funny because now my four-year-old just goes like, yeah, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, well, yeah. they become so more like, conscious. Yeah, I'm like, I know, I know. And I'm saying that I'm sorry. 
how can I make it up to you? And usually my four-year-old will say, you know, just give me a hug or something like that. And so I'll give him a hug. And then I'll, sometimes if I think about it, I'll be like, so next time, you know, when mommy feels like she wants to yell, I'm going to uh, take a breath or go in this room or whatever and come up with a plan for it. We're humans, so we're going to make mistakes. And oftentimes I think that the way that we repair those things and the accountability that we take is actually what grows our relationship with our kids. So that's beautiful that you do that. Um, I hear all the time a sort of a deterrent for people towards gentle parenting is that there's no boundaries and there's no rules, which is obviously not true. But I think, again, just that word of gentle is a turnoff for some people. But with conscious parenting, because we're, we're paying attention, we're aware there are boundaries and there are routines and there is structure. So I want to know how you use conscious parenting to make sure it's not a free for all in your house. Do you have schedules? Do you have routines? Do you have non-negotiables and boundaries? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that a big thing for me with conscious parenting is whenever I put down a boundary, I explain why it's going down. I'm not a because I said so parent. Um, and so we have a routine, we have structure, you know, um, we, we don't have a harsh, you know, schedule or um, allowance on screen time or anything like that. But, you know, if I find that the behavior has kind of gone downhill because of too much screen time or something like that, I'll say, you know, hey, um, I want you to kind of feel how you're feeling right now. You probably don't feel very good. It looks like you you don't feel very good. You're getting kind of snippy with me. Um, do you think that maybe it's because you've had a lot of TV? Maybe we should turn the TV off because a lot of TV is not really good for our bodies, not good for our brains. A little bit's fine, but I think that we've kind of reached our limit for today. Why don't we, you know, take a break? go outside. And usually if I kind of phrase it that way, there, there'll be a little bit of pushback, but they kind of know, like, I think that they see that I'm doing something for them and it's not just because I'm trying to like be mean or something. Um, but yeah, as far as like bedtimes, we have a specific time they go to bed. It's non-negotiable. We have a specific routine before bed. Um, you know, it's so funny because everybody's always like, oh, conscious and gentle parents is so permissive. It's like, dude, I say no to my kids all the time. <laughs> all day. All day. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, what's funny is whether or not somebody is permissive. It's, it's hilarious to me to think that kids don't hear no. Like just by design, their size and capacity, they're going to hear no, but it's odd to me that they think that we say no to, or don't say no to our kids at all. Cause I'm the same way. My kids hear no all day long. And I think that, you know, there's flexibility in there and I'm sure just being conscious of the day, like, okay, well they had a harder day or we did this or we did that. So I understand where the behavior is coming from. You ask yourself those questions, but I also heard you say that you ask them questions like, well, do you think it's this? Or maybe we've done this. What do you think? Um, why do you think your behavior is like this? And that's really teaching them how to look beneath their behaviors and recognize like, oh, wait a minute, I'm behaving like this because I need a break from my sibling, or maybe I need to go get a snack. And I think that is so powerful because that's how they begin to, that's a piece of like regulation as well for them to be able to recognize where their emotions are coming from so that they can meet those needs. So I think that that's really powerful that 
you're doing that for them and not just telling them, hey, we're going to turn screens off, but you're actually expressing to them why you're doing that. I think that's great. It's a journey for you, but it's a journey for them as well. They're small, but was there like a transition for you and for them as you moved away from maybe more punitive styles into conscious parenting? What did that look like? Yeah, I mean, I feel like Noah, he's two and I've been conscious parenting for about a year and a half. Um, So he doesn't really know anything different. Like, I'm sure that there's like a. He notices things are getting like better and and it's weird because it's like, you know, you don't just immediately go from traditional parenting to conscious and gentle parenting. It's it's a journey and you change as you learn more and, you know, do more. And um, I mean, even things that I'm still doing now, it's kind of like I, I know that they're not 100 percent conscious, but I just haven't figured out how to transition those out yet. Like my husband is very he's conscious and everything. And but he still kind of has like a a mindset of like offering rewards for things. I'm like, that's not true conscious parenting. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that, Michelle. I'm so glad you said that because I find myself in that space sometimes as well. And we don't talk about that in the space, in this space, like in this gentle parenting, conscious parenting um, space, it's kind of just like, don't do it. Like, Don't give them rewards, punished by rewards. And I actually struggle with that one as well. I'm interested to hear why you struggle with it. Yeah. So before a couple months ago, you would have asked me this. And I'm like, I don't see a problem with it. You know, it's very much like whatever you get rewarded in life. Like that's how our society works. But as I go further down the rabbit hole of conscious parenting, I'm like, okay, well, you know, rewards are the flip side of the coin for punishment. And, you know, withholding a reward is a punishment, even if it's not intended to be a punishment. That's one thing that I struggle with. It's like, I I want my kids to feel good and like be rewarded. But also, I don't want the withholding of rewards to be a punishment because I don't want to punish them. So it's one thing that I like the the concept I struggle with, but I haven't figured I haven't really figured out how to transition out of that one yet. It's not like we offer rewards for a lot of different things, but when it happens, I'm just kind of like, mm, I feel like I shouldn't do this. Or like my husband doesn't, I'm like, I feel like this is not the right move. But also again, what I said, it's like I'm conscious of it and I can make sure that it doesn't happen often, but it's kind of like one of those things where it's like, it's not really a priority on my parenting style transformation right now. I understand. And it's going to be things like that. Um, I'm totally with you that I'm not withholding reward. I think where I get mixed up or tripped up is, um, and maybe this is the right way to do it. I don't know. It's what feels right to me. But every time I do it, I'm like, is this conscious parenting? But it's more of a when you get this done. Like when we make up our bed, we're going to go to the park. Right. As opposed to if if you don't make your bed, we're not going to go to the park because I'm not necessarily fun snatching. But for me, I'm like, is that just wording? Is it still the same thing? But I think that we all do that. I think that there are positive consequences and negative consequences that are logical. But I think we get tripped up when it comes to how we present those things, because if making the bed or whatever is a non-negotiable then there isn't going to be a reward, so to speak, if it doesn't, 
get done. And I guess that's where I'm at with it right now. And I love that you said that it's evolving because maybe that will change. It's like a new insight or new understanding. And most importantly, once I see how it's impacting my child and our relationship. And I think that when we have these spaces where it's like, this is right and this is wrong, and com- that's unconscious to me. It's unconscious to tell other parents outside of spanking. I'm sorry. Like, that's just... That's just not a debate for me, but it's (laughs) like, it's not conscious to tell parents what they should and shouldn't be doing with their kids because it requires information, right? It requires them being conscious of how is this impacting my child? How is this not impacting my child? Um, One of those things is like affirmation. I see all the time people are like, you know, don't say good job and don't do this and do that. And some children need to hear that. Like some children are getting the opposite messaging all day long. I know that I experienced that with my oldest. Like we don't necessarily have the same parenting style. Um, I don't have the same parenting style as her dad. And I know that she gets a lot more negative reinforcement over there. So when she comes home, I'm like, girl, you're amazing. You're awesome. And that may not make sense to somebody else. That wouldn't make sense for my younger child. But I think that conscious parenting is about knowing yourself and knowing your kid and finding solutions that make sense. So I love that you said that, that it's evolving for sure. Yeah. And my, my four-year-old's like that too. And I, I, that's one thing that I've kind of really thought about as well. And I'm glad that you said that your oldest is like this, but he is very much like, he always like looks to us for approval. And, you know, I, especially his dad, like he just wants to make his dad proud so much, even at four years old, like he does something and he just like immediately is like looking at dad, like, is this cool? Did I do a cool thing? And at first I struggled with that. Cause I was like, well, I don't want him to always look for us for like approval. Like I want him to be happy with who he is and, and proud of himself for things. But now that you said that I'm realizing it might not be so much as that, like he needs our approval. He just is a words of affirmation kind of guy. Like (laughs) that is his love language. And it can be both. And like you say, I think it's, you know, I think it's great. What do you think about it? What's your favorite thing about it? It it can be both. It doesn't, we don't have to silence ourselves because like, you know, internet told us that we shouldn't or whatever, just being conscious of how that's impacting him and how it's affecting him is what's most important. Dr. Shavali says like, you got to parent the child that's in front of you. Right. And so I think that makes sense. So we talked about conscious routines. We talked about being conscious of our triggers. You talk a lot about connection and how are you consciously bringing connection into your family? Yeah, I do a lot of playfulness in our house. We're always dancing. I'm always trying to get us to have connection moments, whether it be like playing outside in the backyard or, you know, we like to do a lot of experiences in our family as opposed to buying them stuff. Um, That's really important for us as a family is we like to go on trips together. We like to travel together. We like to take the kids to the amusement parks and stuff. And so like we have that really worked into our budget is like that connection one-on-one family time. And even when we're just at home, like I try to make some time out of our busy schedule to just sit down and like play a board game with them for like 10, 15 minutes or, you know, really look at them in the eye when they're talking about something um, at least once a day. Because I know that that's really hard to do when you're like trying to do a million other things. But sometimes I my son's like talking about something that he's really passionate about. I just kind of stop what I'm doing and get on his level and look him in the eye and let him tell me and really be engaged with him. I think that 
when you have a good connection with your kids, they just cooperate better. Like they want to cooperate with you because they feel like they're a valuable part of the household. That's so true. Connection before correction. We say it all the time, but it is true. Just as humans, it's a basic need. It is a basic need for us to feel connected. And when that need goes unmet chronically, I can tell, like I can tell in my kids, it's just sass all over the place, defiant, not being cooperative, irritating each other. So I feel the same way. So that's how it impacts their behavior. I want to know how connecting with them impacts your behavior, getting present with them. Like you said, looking them in the eyes, how does that impact you? It helps my mindset when it comes to parenting a ton, instead of just I'm a victim of getting in the like productivity mindset where it's like, I got to get this done. I got to get this done. Check off the list. My to-do list is very important. And when you pay too much attention to your to-do list and what needs to be done around the house, your kids become just another thing on that to-do list. And when that happens, the connection is ruptured, right? Like, cause they're just a task. They just need, you know, they're a task that needs to be taken care of. And when you're in a moment of a meltdown or somebody needs to be emotionally regulated, it brings you into the mindset of you're making this hard for me to complete my task right now. And when you show up with that mindset of you're making this hard for me to complete this task right now, you're not going to be as empathetic. So lately I've been really trying to be more present with my children. Like I will, I'll get stuff done around the house. I'll work. But like when I have like that connection time with them set aside, or if we're outside and they, you know, they keep saying, mommy, mommy, watch this, whatever. And I'm kind of like, okay, I'm just going to put down my phone. I'm going to stop, you know, doing this. I'm going to stop worrying about my to-do list for just 10 minutes and really pay attention to them. And when that happens, it helps me not view them as like a part of my to-do list. It's like, I have purpose. Like these, I love these kids and I'm so grateful that I have them in my life and that I get to take care of them and teach them and have this opportunity to play with them and connect with them and, and watch them grow and tell me about the things that they're passionate about. And when you, when you make time for that, you have a better connection with them. You get to show up more empathetically when they're having emotions and they're not just a thing that needs to be taken care of. Michelle, you just blew my mind with that. I mean, seriously, I'm, yeah, that one just shook me. I've never looked at it that way. And I feel like I can see so many points in my day where I do that, where my kids are just another thing on my to-do list. And I think that I'm doing a great job at checking that thing off, but I also feel like it's making me less conscious. You know, like I don't put um, like a yoga class or like painting or listening to music. Like I don't put it on a to-do list. It's just something that I, I do out of enjoyment. And I don't think that I've been looking at parenting like that. It does feel like, this is something I have to do and I'm going to do it and honor it, but it just feels like a task sometimes. And I appreciate you for giving me that insight because now I can be conscious of when I'm just, all right, we're in the house, we're taking the shoes off, we're doing the dinner we're doing the, and getting into that routine. I, yeah, I like that was a mic drop. 
Michelle. So we're just, we're going to go into rapid fire. That was so good. Going to rapid fire. I always ask these questions at the end of the episode. So first thing that pops in your mind, you ready? Okay. What's your number one calming tool? Breath work for sure. What does breath work look like for you? Um, the one thing that pops in my mind as soon as I'm triggered, I'm like, I need to take a deep breath and I take a deep breath in, hold it, take it out. I do that maybe five times. And usually I shake myself out a little bit too. So I got to like get out all the icky feelings <laughs> and then I'm good. Yes. Handshake, arm shake. I'm doing it now. Thank you. So what's something you know now that would have been helpful in the beginning of your parenting journey? That I needed to go to therapy. <laughs> mm, yes. Are you in therapy now? Yep. Have been for over a year now. I love that for your kids. Yeah. <laughs> Last thing is, what do you tell yourself when you don't feel like you're doing a good job? I am good enough. So this is a huge thing that I've been working on uh, in therapy for this past year is, you know, we talk about unconscious parenting, things that have happened in your childhood that um, change your core beliefs about yourself, right? And my core belief about myself from childhood that has followed me to adulthood is that I am not good enough. Like, and I hear it in every single thing that I do, everything that I mess up. You know, I read a book recently um, called Present Over Perfect. And that was, she was talking about it and it said something like, um, I hear it in every way everything that anybody ever says to me somebody says I can't come over to your house today and I think I'm not good enough and my kids say that they don't like the dinner that I've made tonight and I hear I'm not good enough and so when you start working on like your core beliefs of who you are I have to remind myself so like if my kids don't like my dinner and the voice inside my head says, of course, because it's not good enough. I have to tell myself it's good enough. I'm good enough. I did what I was supposed to do. I made dinner. They, I can't make them eat it. They might not like it, but, you know, it doesn't have anything to say about me as a mom or as a person. So my main affirmation all the time is I am good enough. <laughs> Love it. Dealing it. Thank you, Michelle. If you like this episode, share it with a friend, share it on your social media, and come on over to Instagram, slide in my DMs, and tell me how you liked it. Until next time, bitch, you're doing a good job.